Hello and welcome to another episode of Amon Sheeran's Pirate Radio Podcast. On today we today's episode, we have another illustrious guest, Mike Petrina, uh, founder of Save the Running Company and a Long Island running legend uh, for several different reasons that we'll we'll get into today. So, Mike, thank you for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm just I was not an original founder of Save the Running Company, but I've been with them um, early, since the early days. So. Uh, I, I get associated with SRC uh, quite frequently, but uh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting and um, I've only heard the best things about you. What, what have you heard? And for oh. who? Well, well, I mean, I know you've been doing a uh, podcast on a bunch of different topics and uh, just kind of, I know Gerard has drawn uh, uh, kind of what's the word I'm looking for uh, like inspiration from you kind of just, starting his podcast and just kind of putting his nose to the grind. So, um, you know, he's kind of following your example that you set there. Yeah, that's great. And um, we'll get right into it. Um, Cause I know, you know, Gerard and Sean, and I'm just happy to help Gerard a little bit uh, with his podcast. Um, but I, what I want to start off with is your running career. And the question I always ask my running guest is uh, what made you want to start running competitively? Oh, that, I mean, that's a loaded question. Um, I started running in general with my dad um, just as something to kind of stay in shape for other sports, basketball and lacrosse mainly. Um, and then when I got to seventh grade and cross country, like I didn't play a fall sport. I didn't do football. I didn't do soccer. Um, so I, uh, I joined the cross country team and that's kind of how it started. Um, and I found out that I was pretty good at it. And as the years went on, um, I finally committed to running full-time my junior year of high school. Cool. And well, where'd you go to high school? I went to, I went to St. John the Baptist in West Islip. Okay. Gotcha. So um, at that time, I know now they have a, a great program. Was it, how was it back then? Um, so honestly, it was the laughing stock of the Catholic High School Association really? at the time. Yeah, so I my freshman year we had seven guys on the track team. Uh, it was like four sprinters and three freshman distance runners. Wow. Okay. And then uh, and then my sophomore year was uh, Coach Woods' first year, who's the coach there now. Woody. And that's yes, Woody. And that's basically uh, when the program started turning around. By the time I was a senior, um, you know, we were fairly competitive in in cross country um, and track. I want to say the team grew to like 60 kids um, my senior year, but now Coach Wood gets regularly up to 100 kids out for the track team. Wow, yeah, that the the 100 kids reminds me of my high school days at Syosset when like oh. the team picture was just like, could barely fit on the, on the frame. But yeah, did you, at what point did you fall in love with the sport? Um, probably like my sophomore, um, year of high school um you know coach wood came in and he was training and running marathons and as an like that kind of appealed to me as like you know this is something i can do beyond um just high school and college um so that that's kind of when it really appealed to me and i started really getting into it uh, and that year is when alan webb ran 353 for the high school mile so um you know there was a lot of track coverage going on at that time Definitely, for sure. I think that's kind of the, the genesis of a lot of the track coverage we see now is the Allen Webb uh, High School Mile, and that record stands, right? 
uh, the outdoor Allen Webb high school record still stands. Yes. I mean, a lot more high schoolers are breaking four minutes in the mile, but not quite getting down to that low 350 range, which is pretty elite. Yeah. Elite for anyone, not just a, a high schooler. Do you remember having a, a breakout race in high school? Um, so my sophomore year, I would say was like my, my breakout year. Um, that year we scored like four points at our league championships and they were all mine. I scored, uh, um, in the in the varsity events, I scored in the mile and the two mile. Uh, I ran 431 and 950. Uh, and I think that kind of that day at league championships there was kind of like, I think this this can be like my future. Definitely. Uh, are there any other races you want to highlight from your high school career? Uh, so many, I know. I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, I think the um, my junior year when I ran 937. Uh, so the Catholic League has their own like state qualifying meet, right. and we basically we call it like the Catholic State Meet. And uh, I don't know where I was ranked going in, but um, I was gunning for a spot to go to the federation meet or the you know public school state meet. Right. And um, I closed in like 65. I wound up finishing second and just shy of the 935 qualifying time. I ran 937. Um, but uh, the race just sticks out to me because I like beat a lot of the runners that had been beating me all season. And I was pretty pleased with how I raced that race. Gotcha. Yeah, it sounds like an exciting race. I'm sorry you fell just two seconds short. But um, it sounds like you were fully committed and and uh, obviously in love with the sport at that point. Definitely. And uh, talk about I did I did my research. Talk about your decision to attend Stony Brook and compete for them. Yeah. So honestly, I went on a few recruiting trips, mostly unofficial, um, and I talked to a lot of different coaches. Um, but when I went to Stony Brook, the one thing Coach Andy Ronin, who's still there, um, he said to me, which really stuck and I really felt like he cared was that when I left Stony Brook after all my eligibility was up that I would still enjoy and still pursue running um, you know he was not going to burn me out he was not going to run me until I couldn't run anymore um, so he was really looking after uh, my well-being as an athlete a person and something he knew that um, if running was going to be a part of my life that I could carry beyond the four or five years I was at Stony Brook. Yeah. That's an interesting part. I didn't even think of that uh, in terms of the recruiting process, but that does happen to a lot of college athletes where they get, by the time they graduate, they're totally, um, they want nothing to do with the sport after that. Yeah. yeah I mean, a, a lot of the guys I went to high school with that went to different schools by their sophomore or junior year, they had quit the team. Um, a lot of guys that I had competed against and who beat me thoroughly in high school um, were also flaming out. So I really feel like I made the right decision um, for my well-being overall as a runner. A lot of times it happens in college where uh, coaches expect you to move up an event group. Uh, did you experience that? Uh, meaning like ability-wise or distance-wise? Distance-wise. Um, so no, he... Um, so he basically slow played us like, um, you know, my training may not have been where I needed to be for running solid 5Ks, but I raced mostly, you know, 1500, 3K and 5K in my first year. Um, you know, he didn't expect anything out of me during cross country. 
Um, he knew it was going to be a, a process. So I really appreciated that. Definitely. And um, what was your training like? What were you running uh, per week? And what were some of your favorite workouts? Um, so at Stony Brook, when I was running my best, um, we were on a seven day cycle. I was running like somewhere between 70 and 80 miles a week. Um, uh, on Tuesday, we would do some sort of interval workout, 400s and um, thousands were, were very common. And then on Friday, we would do a 25 to 30 minute tempo run and a long run on Sunday. And oh. um, yeah, and that uh, my junior year, like I said, uh, that was my best year college wise uh, in terms of training and racing. So I, uh, I ran 15.08 for the 5K that season, 8.40 for the 3K, um, and a 32.40 10K uh, in outdoor. 32.40 10K, wow. So those are, those are pretty elite from, from where I stand. Um, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Like For me, I was never satisfied. I'm still not satisfied um, what I've accomplished in my athletic career because I don't feel like I've uh, fulfilled my potential after running those times in college, do you, do you feel that way? Um, I guess the only regret I have is that I never broke 15 minutes. Um, that, that 1508 is still my PR. Um, you know, I, I've run a bunch of low 15s post-college, but never, never dipped under 15. And really post-collegially, I basically changed my focus from track to the road running pretty much immediately. So, um, <laughs> So I really didn't focus on track racing too much after I graduated from Stony Brook. Gotcha. Yeah. But those, yeah, those are great times, obviously. Um, speaking of road racing, I was talking with Gerard a little bit uh, while preparing for this episode. And he said, um, while you were never uh, professional, you were always a threat to win any like road race and still to this day. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think on like the local level, um, I've, yeah, a threat to win, um, you know, showing up, going to compete. I think, um, I think that's what I've kind of become known for. Um, like if I show up to a race, I'm there to race, I'm there to compete. Um, it's going to be an honest effort. So, um, if, you know, if, you know, some runners will show up and try and get a cupcake victory, but if I'm there, they know, um, it, it's not going to be easy. So, um, so whenever I show up to a race, that's my goal to compete up front and, um, you know, if somebody's faster than me, they're faster than me, but they're going to have to out, out race me to, to win. To quote Steve Prefontaine, someone may beat me, but they're going to have to bleed to do it. So I respect the hell out of that. Obviously it was really corny to quote uh, Steve Prefontaine in the middle of a podcast, but I uh, definitely respect that competing and I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, there's so many different corny mantras you can go with. Um, but I, I mean, just that's that's how I run that's how I am like uh you know can Gerard can tell you uh, like just about consistency and working hard um that's what what I'm all about okay for sure uh, I want to get into your coaching career I know you lived in uh, New Zealand for a period of time and you're uh coaching your uh you were coaching your now wife is that correct correct yeah yeah so do we want to talk about living in New Zealand or coaching or yeah we'll start I mean, with I, new zealand and then we'll, we'll go to coaching yeah um so for those who don't know my wife now leonora is from new zealand i met her at stony brook 
Um, she was already on the team when I uh, decided to go to Stony Brook. She was a year ahead of us. Um, we started dating. Um, and so basically because of all the different visas and, you know, restrictions, uh, she lived here for a year. Um, and then when that year was up, she had to move back to New Zealand. Um, she didn't have any other options to stay here. And um, New Zealand offered a similar one year working visa to live there for a year. So I decided I would uh, do that. So from March of 2008 to March of 2009, I lived in New Zealand. So um, I, yeah, so after I graduated in at the end of 07, packed up and uh, moved to New Zealand for a year, which uh, was, I think, like the greatest thing I could have ever done. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like a, a dream. Uh, talk about some of the, the running scene in general in New Zealand and some of the, the sites. I imagine they must have been breathtaking. Yeah, definitely. So um, the running scene in New Zealand is very club oriented, club based. Um, so that was good. I immediately joined a local track, you know, running club, Harrier Club, as they, they were called. Um, but like, you know, weekly meetups. Um, but like the one thing I noticed instantly from being in New Zealand from the moment I landed, um, we drove home and there were just people out everywhere, walking, running, biking. I'm like, you know, you see that occasionally around here, but like literally you couldn't go on a run in New Zealand without seeing dozens of people out and about. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, I guess, Colorado type of, type yeah. of vibe. It's Exactly. Um, so I, we lived, um, well, Leonora's from just outside of Auckland, which is their, their main city. Um, and we lived fairly close to Auckland. So we'd spend a lot of time downtown, which I mean, downtown was like four blocks, you know, there's only a million people in Auckland. So it's not as, you know, out, out of the, the four and a half, five million people that live in New Zealand, a million of them lived in the Auckland region. Um, but yeah, I mean, just and then the uh, the um, free beaches, so the beaches were wonderful. Um, just trail systems galore, um, so we could run, you know, a different route every night and uh, not get bored. That's awesome. Yeah, that's I definitely once this whole pandemic is over, I definitely want to travel to Australia, New Zealand, and it sounds like um, a great place to train. But uh, transitioning yeah. back into coaching, what influenced your decision to start coaching? Um, so, uh, my senior year at Stony Brook, I actually got an email from Woody coach Wood, um, saying, Hey, uh, I'm looking for assistant coaches. You guys were my first class, you know, you graduate, you're graduating any interest in coaching cross country. And, um, so I had kind of thought about it, um, before that, but not really nothing formal. And then, uh, I, I was told Woody, I'd, I'd be down to coach cross country and he wound up putting me in charge of freshman cross country that uh, that fall. That's awesome. So, so that's how I started coaching. Definitely. And um, I guess we'll jump right into this and then we could go back to uh, some different coaching stuff later. But you said you had a, a solid uh, Sean Kildare story. So, uh, yes, yes. So uh, not to embarrass Sean, but, uh, you no, know, no, Sean no, is no. Like... that's the whole point yeah. is to embarrass Sean. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I, I forget what year of coaching I was in when coach, jo uh, when Sean joined the team, but he's, uh, you know, he's like the politest, nicest guy of all time. And he's a teenage boy. So while most teenage boys are making fun of me for being in my twenties and 
having a wife and saying inappropriate things. He's like polite. So the first time he meets my wife, uh, again, we're in our mid twenties. He refer he, he calls her Mrs. Petrina. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, you call, call me Leo or Leonora. Like no, Mrs. Petrina, that's Mike's mom. But he like refuses. So every time he sees her, it's just Mrs. Petrina. I mean, to this day, he still calls me coach Petrina. Um, Cause I, I guess Sean is probably the age now that I was when I, I first know, knew Sean. <laughs> so, but like just the politest, nicest kid um, and just very, very polite. And I mean, not that it's an embarrassing story, but he's just such a good dude that uh, want to get that out there. I could, yeah, no, definitely. I, I knew that going in um, having been teammates with Sean, but I can definitely see that happening and him refusing to break uh, politeness, I guess you could say. Definitely. Yeah, and uh, your wife, obviously, for those who don't know, who has uh, who has had a lot of success in the the marathon, and she qualified for the Olympic trials. Can you talk about um, kind of her training process going into that event? Yeah, so um, I always joke that Leonora is like the real runner. I just I just fake run, you know. Um, like, um, so she's try she qualified for the twenty sixteen and the twenty twenty um, Olympic trials. Um, in 2014, that was her first marathon at Philadelphia, where she ran a, a 239.58. So, wow. Um, and um, yeah, the training was intense. Um, she, you know, she quit her day job um, and worked part time at S Sable Running Company, um, but mostly focused around the training and. Um, so, I mean, it's a long story, but she basically found out that like a seven day cycle just wasn't for her. So like whenever she, she could run 60 to 70 miles a week, pretty consistently with some good workouts. But whenever she tried to make that, that jump to that next level that marathon runners want to get to, um, she'd get hurt. So like 80 miles a week um, in a seven day cycle, just got her injured a lot. Um, so we came up with a plan that she was gonna go on a nine day cycle, which is very similar to a cycle a lot of athletes are using now. So instead of trying to cram everything in the seven days, um, we've kind of spread it out over nine days. And so you get about, um, you get about 72 hours between hard efforts. Gotcha, that makes sense. Um, obviously all very scientific and some stuff will probably be over my head at least. But um, I wanted to ask, because you said you started off assistant coaching and obviously you have a strong connection to your wife, obviously, but is what was that process like transitioning from being a, a high school coach to a, a potential Olympians coach? Yeah, so I just really just reading and you know absorbing everything, kind of talking to coaches, um, Coach Andy for one, um, just kind of really getting everybody's take different takes on things the high school you know the high school system here i find is i mean after the fact is you know you're always it's centered around racing um which i think after this pandemic you can see um that training centered around like training blocks as opposed to racing all the time is definitely more beneficial for the athlete i mean just look what like the professional runners are doing right now um, after a year of solid training. So um, I think if we can transition to more 
training based sessions and then um, you know race when we're ready that definitely is a uh, slightly more beneficial um, that's kind of off off topic there no just to jump in on that point i have to sure. give my high school coaches credit uh coach caffiero and coach tessa we would always get um kind of made fun of for never racing until the county meet and yeah. so, so where it counted and we were always really successful and we'd always um score well in the four by 800 my senior year we were second in the state to Chaminade and I give a lot of credit to their um, training uh, prowess and their uh, knowledge not to, not to burn kids out. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I know you said you ran for Syosset and definitely one of the programs that's definitely high maintenance, but a high, high level of performance. And I would agree um, racing dual meet dual meets during the season, just, burn you out for when the meets actually count yeah i think i've ran one dual meet in my high school career and that was when i was moved up on the team in middle school so that that says it all right yeah. there I think. yeah so i would say that that's perfect um yeah i mean the good thing with my wife was she was like very open um you know we collaborated um sometimes but most of the time she took whatever i thought was right and just went and did it you know and um, that's how I kind of started forging my training philosophies. Definitely. Yeah. So obviously a lot of trust for her uh, in you. And obviously you have to back that up with um, results and knowledge. And it sounds like you did that. So I give you a lot of credit for kind of adapting and learning on the fly. And obviously um, she's had a lot of success. So credit to you there as well. Um, talk a little bit about how you got into uh, Save a Running Company. Yeah, so um, just randomly, we were out at a long run. So um, there's a group that meets in Smithtown on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. at Uncle Giuseppe's. They call themselves uh, the River Road Rats. Um, this was back in, I, I want to say 2007 now. Um, I had been going with uh, a running buddy of mine, uh, Tommy Natuno, for a few summers. So um, he lived around the corner from me in West Babylon, and I did a lot of my summer training with him when I was home from school and he found out about this group. He started going during the school year and then he started bringing me around on Sundays during the summer. And, uh, so I graduated, I was done with Stony Brook and I was going every weekend now. And it just so happened that Brendan Barrett and this Ryan Sultan and that crew happened to know somebody else that was a river road rat and they showed up at the rate at, at the run. Um, funny story is though me and Natuna, so me and Tommy, so it's like a, it's a loop that you can do. There's 12 mile option, 14 mile option, 18, 20, 22. You could, you know, you're training for a marathon. You could have any distance you need when you, when you turned up with this group. And so we show up, we're about like a couple of minutes late and we see the group just taking off as we pull up. And, uh, so now we're trying to run them down and we get to a spot where it's like, okay, go left for 12 miles or go right. And you go 14. And, uh, we went right for 14. We guessed wrong. They went 12. We never caught anybody. And so we meet them up in the parking lot afterwards and we're chatting and Brendan invited, basically invited us down to a track workout on Tuesday. And that's how it started. I started going to track workouts at Sable running company. Right. And, um, so it's very serendipitous, uh, obviously it worked out and says great success and a huge influence on the long island running scene in general. 
Uh, what are your future goals for SRC? Um, I think the big thing about SRC that I has us going really well at the moment is that we're a resource for the community. Yes, we sell running shoes. Yes, we sell running apparel. But um, overall, we try to keep that um, camaraderie level in the community very high, putting on virtual events while there's no other options, um, putting out, you know, tech information on our social medias so people can um, kind of grab information and do what they like. Um, so I think we just want to keep operating at that level. I know we have a bunch of things that we kind of have in the pipeline that we want to get set up and in place, um, but just due to the pandemic is making it a little bit harder to kind of of roll out. Um, I know Gerard has been very diligently working on a on a project that we are really excited about, um, but just because pandem- you know, pandemic restrictions um, are just having a hard time of when, he, when to release it, when to roll it out. Uh, but we just wanna be there for the running community. So, um, and I think we're doing that. So basically if you're a runner and you're on Long Island and you need advice or tips or anything running related, walking related, you know, fitness related, um, just stop on down at Sable or Smithtown Running Company and a staff member will always be willing to chat, um, you know, no pressure. So um, if you have any questions, you can DM us, email us, whatever you need. We're, uh, we're here for the runners. Yeah, I definitely think the community, the running community on Long Island is on the rise. Things like the Hoka Mile and all these virtual events and uh, in-person racing when it's possible. And I think a lot of credit goes to the SRC and similar groups. So I, I th- thank you and commend you for that. Oh, our pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Um, as a, so I know you also do um, coaching now for uh, more of the everyday runner. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so we have a um, we program out of the store called the Distance Training Program, and it's something we started oh back in like 2013. And it was just a, a place for people training for distance events, uh, half marathon, marathon, um, you know, to train with people with common um, goals and aspirations. And um, in that first session, we had 11 runners sign up and, uh, and it's been, you know, on the rise ever since then. Pandemic put a little bit of a damper on it, but, um, you know, we still have I still have 20 to 30 runners that I'm working with, um, whether, whether they're meeting up with us or not because of the pandemic, um, they're still getting their work done and somebody's there to still hold them accountable. Um, so basically it's just a group of runners, you know, looking to run half marathon and marathons and finish feeling good. Um, you know, you find an online program that's not really personalized to yourself and you either get frustrated or you have a miserable experience with the marathon and it kind of puts you off. So we're trying to avoid um, people having miserable experiences with the half marathon and marathon distance. Definitely. And um, I can definitely relate to that. Like I said earlier, I wasn't really satisfied with how my uh, college career ended. So I'd definitely be interested in joining, uh, joining you guys. Yeah. Um, And I have, we have all abilities from the, you know, person trying to qualify for, for Boston to, um, you know, just looking to beat the cutoff. Um, my, my biggest success story um, is um, this guy, Matt, uh, we call him Matty Ice. He, um, 
he started with the program because he wanted to get to the beer tent at the Marine Corps Marathon before they ran out of beer. <laughs> so, so, so Marine Corps has like a, a pretty strict cutoff because of the way the city is. So you got to finish, you have to get to certain points before a certain time where they pull you off the course. So in his first time doing Marine Corps, he gets pulled off the course. So he joins the group and um, you just have, it's the six hour cutoff. So he's like, I got, I got to finish in under six hours. And um, so we get him under six hours by quite a bit. I want to say he ran like a 520 something. Um, but when he got to the beer tent, they were out of beer. <laughs> so, so now, so now his second goal now is, you know, he comes back the next year, his goal is to get to the, get to the beer tent before they run out of beer. Um, and he ran um, right around five hours. I want to say, um, got to the beer tent. They still had beer. So he was, he was pretty happy. Um, and then he went and he's gone and run under for five hours. Now he's run like a 451 at um, the LA marathon. Nice. Um, but um, you know, so like, so, you know, somebody like him coming down, just putting in the work, being very consistent and he has improved from not being able to finish a marathon in the cutoff time to being a four hour and 50 minute marathon runner. Awesome. Yeah. I definitely want to try the half marathon. I can barely string together like three miles now. So I got a long way to go. Um, a little washed up, but, uh, like I said, I, I'm motivated and and ready to get back out there so thank you all we can definitely talk about that uh as we go but um thank you for coming on i had a couple uh general questions and a couple fun questions if you still have some time oh yeah i'm i'm all i'm i'm free let's go all right awesome uh so you're a fellow running nerd like gerard and i uh what are your thoughts on the advances in shoe technology and carbon plating and do you feel uh, how do you feel that's changed the the running world you, oh, you mean cheating shoes? <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, now that it's like more accessible and out there in the open, uh, I'm not having as much of an issue with it as I was as I was maybe say at the 2016 Olympics when you know Galen Rupp is the only one wearing the shoes, um, and all the other athletes are you know fending for themselves. Um, maybe I guess the way they came about a little bit shady, but, um, now that every manufacturer has their shoe out on the market and it's accessible and you don't have to pay an arm and a leg. Yeah. They're more expensive, but they're reasonably priced as opposed to, you know, when they first came out and they were selling on the secondary market for five, six, $700. Yeah. That's yeah. No, I agree with that. I think, um, when the level of playing, the when the playing field is level at the high level, it's, you know, it's fair game when, like you said, Rupp was the only one, obviously that's um, an unbalanced uh, competition. Uh, what are your thoughts on the American running scene? A lot of things, new things popping up with trials and miles. I know Gerard competed in that the Olympic qualifiers, American track league. How do you think the, the scene looks right now in the U S of a? Yeah, I think, I think in the U S of a, it's looking pretty good. Um, these live free live streams that have trials of miles have been putting on are like, I think phenomenal for the, for the, for the track and field nerds. Um, it's putting a lot of pressure on, uh, I think the you know, flow track. Yes, definitely. But it's putting, uh, I think a lot of pressure on even the higher, higher end ESPN, NBC, uh, you know, what trials of miles just gave us for, for free in Austin. Um, I think 
completely outdoes anything I've seen in the last few years from even paying for. Um, so um, I think it's I think it's all headed in the right direction. Uh, you know, Chris Chavez, who's um, with I had him on. Ah, yes, you have. Yeah, he's, yeah. I, I, he's such a running nerd, and I think he's doing such a great job. Um, and now, um, you know, Kyle Merber, who's a friend of SRC, he worked at SRC, and now he's getting into that side of things and being an elite athlete, he knows um, what goes on on that side. And now being a fan, he he's kind of helping formulate a plan going forward. Um, so I think uh, for the track fans out there, um, it's on the rise and content is everywhere. Yeah, I really think I um... – that was like the greatest or the best event I've watched in recent memories with uh, Merburn Chavez and they had uh, Morgan McDonald on and he does oh, yeah. YouTube content, Tim and elite, whether you're like them or not, they're putting out producing great uh, YouTube content. So I think uh, that's what we need to get people interested in our sport. It's not up to NBC. It's not up to flow track. It's up, up to the athletes. And uh, I think we're definitely heading in the right direction. Um, Bouncing off or running, I don't know if this is true. Are you a uh, basketball fan? I am a basketball fan, yes. Okay, who's your team? Um, I'm a Knicks fan. Okay, thank God. We're uh, Knicks guys. <laughs> so we can you want to talk about that quickly? and then. Uh... Yeah, we can talk about the Knicks. All right, yeah. So how do you – thoughts on the season, uh, favorite player, and favorite Knicks memory? How about that? Well, I'm, I might be a little fraud on this because growing up, I was more of a Michael Jordan guy. That's fair. Than, Best player than ever. A, than, than a Ewing and Oakley guy. So, um, but as, as an adult, it's been mixed all the way. Um, so Brendan Barrett's brother, Casey, he's a huge Knicks guy. So we, um, we kind of text back and forth every now and then about the Knicks. Um, um, so right now the season, I love Thibodeau. Like he embodies like almost everything that I'm about. Like, just working hard. I played basketball growing up. So like my big thing was defense. Like I wasn't the biggest guy on the court, but I was one of the fastest and definitely had the best endurance. So I could just stay in front of guys all game long. And I just love that about him. You know, the team is young, so there's some growing pains like the Spurs game the other night, but um, that was a tough one. But the three previous games when they won three in a row, um, all good stuff. Um, so I just, I just like Thibodeau's, t- you know, he's not going to back down. Like, yes, we're rebuilding, but we're going to try and win as many games as we can. And if we, we get to the playoffs, that's where we want to be. Um, and I just, I, I like that mentality, like no quit mentality. Cause if you go into the season, you know, like the 76ers did for so many years of like tanking and rebuilding. And then just, you know, now they're, now they're playing well, but um, Thibodeau wants to build it and, um, be competitive at the same time, which I can really appreciate. Yeah. I really hope they stick with him for the long term. Uh, my favorite player is uh, Frank Nilakina. Like we were saying, hard nose defense can hit a yes. corner to three athletic. Uh, who's your favorite guy on the team right now? It, it's such a bummer that Thibodeau just for whatever reason, doesn't have Frank in the rotation regularly. It's, it's just a bummer. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, RJ Barrett, uh, and definitely quickly. I think he was like the steal of the draft right now. Yeah, he could be um all rookie team or whatever, whatever that's called. Oh, definitely. Um, 
And I think the addition of Derrick Rose, I know Derrick Rose was on the Knicks previously, and a lot of fans were giving, I guess, Knicks PR like flack for photoshopping Derrick Rose photos in the Knicks uniform. But I, I, it feels different this time around. Like I, the regime is completely different. The atmosphere is completely different. Um, and I think he he's at a different part of his career. And I think um, I think that was a good addition for the young guys. Yeah, definitely a good veteran presence. Uh, what else did we have? Um, so just a couple more questions. Thank you again so much for doing this. Anytime you want to come back on, something to promote, just want to chat about whatever, uh, I'd love to have you back on. Oh yeah, my pleasure. I would. I, I'm uh, talking anything sports related, definitely. Awesome. So the two questions I have, I ask every guest. The first one I amended a little bit to be uh, less morbid. I usually ask if you could have dinner with any dead celebrity or athlete, who would it be and why? I'm gonna add that to alive and and or dead. Well, alive and or dead it has to be Michael Jordan. Um, I mean, I when Last Dance came out, I just ate that, like ate that up. Um, like I said, he was my favorite athlete growing up. Just, you know, I don't know. Like I can't get into LeBron James right now, but I'm sure there were people when I, you know, in the nineties that couldn't get into Jordan at the time. But I, you know, as a kid, I just ate it all up. So uh, I, I'd have to say Jordan. Awesome. Yeah. That's hard to, hard to uh, critique that ultimate competitor. I paid the way for guys like Kobe and um, the last dance was amazing. Um, so I definitely agree with you on that one. Uh, I think you're the first Jordan we had to answer that question. A lot of mostly um, Kobe, but obviously it makes sense that you'd be the first Jordan because I never gave the option for anyone alive. So just, just put that together. But anyway, uh, thank you again. And um, yeah. Uh, last question before I let you go. Uh, sure. What would you, what would you like your outro song to be? Uh, so I knew this question was coming and I've been trying to prepare for it. Um, and so uh, quick story. Um, mm -hmm. A few days ago, a few days ago, um, Desi Linden had a, a picture on Instagram or a post on Instagram uh, where she was running in the snow and um, the caption read, um, as, as cold as an old ice cream sandwich, as focused as Mr. Miyagi. And I'm like, that sounds so familiar. I, I know this quote and you know how Instagram only like previews like the first line or two. Right. And so obviously now I have to hit more info. And um, it was, it's the first line of uh, Tangerine by uh, Glass Animals. So that will be my atro, Tangerine, Glass Animals. I think that line um, has so many different meanings. Um, and that post by Desi just like brought that all to light, I think. Definitely, so, yeah. It's a great choice. And she's another uh, hard-nosed athlete like we were talking about with her, her Boston win that was uh, really inspiring exactly um you know she was running in the snow so she was cold but also she had this like laser focus on her face like um i'm just i have i'm cold inside i have like no feelings about what's going on around me um, i'm just gonna run like i always do and not worry about what's going on and you know you see that like you said she wins boston um, she has not so good races but she's so focused on what she's doing that whenever the big day comes she's always ready to go and, yep. uh, I, I think uh, I think that sums it up pretty good. So 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, be sure to check out Save a Running Company, Instagram, Twitter. Do you want to shout everything out quickly? Uh, yeah, so uh, Save a Running on Instagram and Facebook, um, Smithtown Run Co. on Instagram and Facebook, and then our event page, SRC Timing on Instagram. If you're looking for any virtual events or in-person events, um, that's where all of our information will be. And again, all the content, you know, we're pretty active on those platforms. So if you need anything running related, hit us up. Definitely. I definitely vouch. I bought shoes uh, from Gerard and the whole, um, the whole shebang beyond just the shoes, like we were saying, the, the running community. And um, you guys are really helping out Long Island. So thank you very much for that. And thank you very much for uh, joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me and I look forward to, to working with everybody. All right. Thanks guys. Thank you for listening. Please, 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 please